Welcome to Ask Away with Vince and Joe Vitale and hosted by Michael Davis. Vince and Joe Vitale are currently leading the Zacharias Institute. Both hold doctorates from the University of Oxford, Vince in philosophy, and Joe in women in the Old Testament. In a world that increasingly sees the Christian faith is irrational and irrelevant, it is more important than ever for believers to be prepared to give a defense for the faith. Ask Away is brought to you by Robbie Zacharias International Ministries. It's time to Ask Away. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ask Away with Vincent Jovitali. I'm your host, Michael Davis. Being a young Christian in a secular environment is extremely difficult. Living fully committed to loving God and loving our neighbors when our peers and teachers oftentimes have nothing but disdain for our beliefs is a challenge. It is no wonder why as many as 59% of kids raised in the church will either backslide or leave the faith while at university. How can young people stand firm in the faith? How can they share the hope that is in them while at school? But before we get started, Joe, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the amazing impact of the Refresh event that happened in July and how they can sign up to get more information about Refresh 2019? Absolutely. And um, really, the vision for Refresh is precisely to spend a week answering this very question that we're going to be talking about uh, during this episode. So I can't recommend it more highly if you're someone who's a junior in high school or a senior this year heading off to college next year, um, then check out Refresh 2019. We had the most amazing week. Um, I still can't help but just beam whenever I think about uh, just how incredible it was the way that God worked. We had about 170 students from all over the US, including students from Holland, from Singapore, just people really traveling from far and wide to be there. And um, it was just an amazing time. The students asked the most incredible questions. They really proved the point we always say, which is that young people are actually asking better questions than anybody else. And partly, I think that's because they weren't afraid to be vulnerable in their questions. The way that they shared with each other, some of the raw questions they were asking, questions about suicide and um, addiction and sexuality and just, just everything that um, really get, gets not just to the head, but to the heart as well. And the way they shared vulnerably with each other, the way that they encouraged one another, it was really an amazing week, both to see students who were maybe wrestling with doubts have the freedom for the first time to um, to bring up their struggles. Uh, one girl came up to me on the first evening and just burst into tears and said, I don't know if God exists and I'm I've, I'm not sure if he's there. And and it was the first who'd been in a Christian family, but she never felt able just to express that doubt and just to spend the week journeying with her and for her to realise, hey, this is a space me to be able to ask my questions rather than suppressing them and squashing them. It was it was really moving. Other students who I think had grown up in Christian families but had never themselves made a commitment mm. uh, to follow Christ. I remember another student said after hearing a talk on why the cross came forward for prayer and said, you know, I, I knew that Jesus died on the cross, but I never understood what it meant for me. So mm. it was just so cool to see students who kind of grown up around Christianity, a lot of them, but really making faith their own and, and, and really digging into the intellectual questions, the heartfelt questions and looking forward to college and thinking, actually, I know this is going to cost me a lot to live by my faith at university. Um, is that a, 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 a challenge that I'm willing to take on? Do I think it's worth it? And it was moving on the last night just to see um, just nearly the whole room stand up and uh, just make that commitment to say, yeah, I want to live out my faith on a college campus and, and share it as well. If you want to get more information about Refresh 2019, all you have to do is go to rzim.org forward slash refresh 19. Uh, just put in your email and we'll send you information once registration is open. So let's get to it. This is uh, some heavy questions. The first question is from Colton. Uh, I'm a high school senior and I've gone to a Christian school my whole life. And next year I'll be going to a local secular university. 
I want to know what are some ways I can keep from losing my faith and still be a witness to others at the same time. Colton, thank you so much for asking that question. Thank you that that's the desire of your heart. Uh, I believe that God's going to honor that as you step onto your secular campus university and as God entrusts you uh, with many of the people there and the conversations that you're going to have with them there and the way that you're going to live a Christian life as a witness to them. I'm excited for you. Uh, Not only am I not uh, fearful for you, I'm excited for you because you're asking exactly the right question and I think it's coming from the right place. Uh, in your heart. Uh, Joe spoke a bit at the beginning of this episode about Refresh, the uh, college prep event that we did here at the Zacharias Institute. And I'm remembering one student who came forward to me for prayer. And what he said to me was, he began by saying, well, I'm saved in all. And then he said, but I know there are significant areas of my life that I've never given over to God because I've wanted to control them and I haven't wanted to have his lordship in those areas. That is the person who I fear for as they head off to college, uh, who has this understanding of in some thin sense of the term, well, I'm saved in all, but actually has a harder time calling Jesus Lord. And the reason for that is in part because when you get onto a college campus, everything and everyone is vying for your attention and they're vying for your time. And if there are rooms in your house that you haven't given Jesus, you haven't welcomed Jesus's lordship into, that's where all of the different things that are vying for your attention and trying to distract you from what's most important are going to settle and are going to begin to eat away at the fundamental values that you've held uh, dear throughout your high school years and throughout your life. So that would be my first uh, and foremost encouragement to you. Make sure that in your heart, in your prayer life, you are asking God for the grace, for the strength to not just be saved in some thin sense, not just to call yourself a Christian, but really to have given Jesus lordship of your life so that whatever you experience in the context of your college years, you know that that is Jesus's, that he's going to come in with the strength you need, with the provision that you need, and that you can turn to him in a relationship of trust. I think that's the most significant thing. And if I could just say one more practical thing, I would say most people don't think about how to get connected to Christian community on campus until they get there. And the moment you step on that campus, like I said, everyone and everything is going to be vying for your attention and your time, and you're going to want to make friends, and you're going to want to you know, be positive towards people. And all of a sudden, you're involved in so many things, and you're three months, four months, five months down the line, and you realize, wait a minute, I don't have a Christian community or a church. Don't wait until you show up on campus. What? There's no yeah. reason why you can't go to your college campus's website now, figure out what the campus ministries are, figure out what the solid Christian churches are in the area, get in touch with those student workers, those campus ministers, those pastors now. They'll be so encouraged to hear from you. They'll be so excited that you're getting in touch with them beforehand because Christian community through your college years is that important, and that's the best way to make sure that you're putting that in place before anything else get your time. Yeah, that's so good. I think um, really just thinking through the different ways in which the Lordship of Jesus is practically applied in your life will make all the difference in college. So often what happens is, you know, if we've grown up in Christian families or um, we've been in really good youth programs in church or we had strong Christian friends, then um, there are things in place that you just do when you're at home, like reading your Bible, praying, being part of Christian community that can so quickly fall away at college when you have to actually be self-motivated and, and, and just get on and do them. But it's also an opportunity to step into your faith in a whole new way and 
to go deeper with God um, because you're really owning it for the first time as an adult, as opposed to this being just just an environment that you've grown up in. So I would just say really prioritize spiritual disciplines. Um, in particular, you know, we, we all know that every relationship relies on clear communication. So truly the best way you can stay close to God is to keep reading your Bible. As you're going to hear a lot of um, different perspectives coming at you. So to stay grounded in truth, um, you really need scripture to be the foundation of, of, of what you're, how you're hearing from God. And, and in the same way, praying, um, listening to God and talking to God, um, those are going to be the key elements of your life. And, and, and bringing God into everything, not just the, you know, the time in your morning that you set aside with him, but you know, when you're in the classroom and you're hearing something that just kind of is um, riling you up inside because it's so counter to what you you actually believe to be true. Bringing God into those moments, saying, "God, help me to process this. Help me to understand this. Help me to think about this um, rightly and wisely. Help me not to be afraid of what I'm hearing, but to engage with it." Um, there are different ways to think about spiritual disciplines. One book I found helpful as a student was Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, which had about twelve chapters or, or around there. Just went through different spiritual disciplines, and and it really helped me as a student to think through all those different areas of my life and how I was applying it. So that would be a big piece of it, I think. And then I would just say, and it's something we've said before, but you're certainly going to come across different worldviews when you're at college. And that's actually a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And we say it all the time that if the Christian faith is true, it can stand up to scrutiny. It can stand up to opposing ideas. So don't be afraid of opposing ideas, but also don't shy away from them. I think sometimes as Christians, we we try and smother them or shut them down rather than actually engaging with the questions that people are asking. But don't be afraid to look into it um, and find Christians on campus, wise Christians who can help you as you work through some of those questions. Because sometimes they will shake you. Even as a strong Christian at college, I spent about six months really, really wrestling with some deep questions about God and truth. And it was a hard season for me, but it ultimately made my faith much stronger because I pressed into the questions um, rather than running away from them. And I think if I'd run away, it wouldn't have been resolved. They would have just piled up within me and become a greater problem in the future. So when the questions come, deal with them as they come at you. Deal with them in the context of Christian community with scripture, with other Christians who can help you think through them. But um, but don't try and hide from questions because that's when I think um, we we fall into doubt and we're, we're more in danger of losing our faith. That's great. And just a couple other points from me. Uh, one thing which I wish I realized more clearly before stepping onto a college campus is that just because my professors were super smart, that didn't necessarily always mean that they had thought long and hard and intentionally and honestly and sincerely about the deepest questions of life. So just because you wind up with professors who are atheists, don't think that that necessarily means they're going to have some really robust answer when you ask them simple questions about where do you think that the universe came from? What do you think is the meaning of life? What is it that you base your understanding of the concept of love on? Ask the questions and you'll actually, I think, be encouraged and surprised that somebody can be very intelligent in one area and have done lots of study. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're spending time reflecting on the deepest questions of life. There's a big difference between intelligence uh, and wisdom and ask the question so that you can discern who is just intelligent and who actually has wisdom and is someone that you want to learn from in a deeper way. The other thing I would say is find a mentor. Uh, and do that quickly. It goes back to what I said about not waiting until you're on campus. See if you can make some connections, set up some meetings even before you get there for that first week. A mentorship doesn't have to mean 
you're going to be my mentor for the next 20 years of my life. <laughs> it could be that you just find someone and you say, you know what? I trust this person. They may not even be far ahead of you in the faith, but it's just someone that you trust and you trust that they're living for God and they're going to take seriously a responsibility to help you live for God. And then you're going to be honest with them about where you're at. You're going to set some goals with them. You're going to move towards those goals together. That is such an important relationship, especially as you move onto a college campus because your support network and your family that you've had through high school is no longer going to be there. Mm -hmm. So there's a question you have to be able to answer, and it's the question of if you get to a place where you're not in a good spot with respect to your faith, who's going to know? Because your family, who would normally there day in and day out, they're not going to be there. They might not see it. Your best friends from home, you're going to be talking to them on the phone once in a while, but they might not see it either. Who's going to be there, present with you in a relationship of a mentorship so that you're honest with them, there's trust in the relationship, and week in and week out, maybe once a week or so, you are speaking honestly with them. And if there's ever that movement towards a more vulnerable place in your faith, someone knows about it right away, and then you can start to take steps to uh, correct that as well. Final thing I wanted to say was just to go back to your question itself. What are some ways I can keep from losing my faith and still be a witness to others at the same time? I love that you link those two things together. And I would want to say that that is one of the best ways to do it. If you are actually a witness to others, that's going to be one of the best ways to keep yeah, from losing your sure. faith. Sometimes we think it's the other way around. We need to get our faith absolutely secure and certain and unshakable. And then finally, after I have the answer to every single question, I'll be ready to go out and share my faith. That's not the biblical example. That's not the biblical model. You experience Jesus in your life. It radically transforms you. You therefore have a story to share, and you just go out and share it with people. And when they ask you hard questions, you say, I don't know, but I'd be happy to look into it for you. If you are out there sharing your faith with others and seeing that eye go on, that light go on in their eyes as they come to see Jesus for who he is, that will continually reassure you of the truth and the transformative power of your faith. Uh, and you'll come to really delight and enjoy sharing Jesus with others. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think sometimes one of the things I find most challenging whenever we go and uh, speak on different college campuses is We'll occasionally meet Christian students with the mentality of, oh, you're the professionals coming in to do the evangelism so that I don't have to. Whereas actually, it's amazing to me that you're wanting to take ownership of the fact that actually uh, it, it doesn't work that way in the Bible. Jesus says, I've called you to make disciples of all nations. Once you've Jesus has called you to be one of his disciples, the call is then to go and make other disciples. And, you know, it says in Timothy, you know, don't despise your youth. <laughs> um, God loves using young people. And in fact, your witness is going to be way more persuasive to someone who's in who's a peer who's in the same situation in college like you are than some adult who comes along uh, from outside and starts telling them how it is it, you have the you're in the much better position to be able to speak into people's lives so really go after that and two ways that I would encourage you to do that one is um, there's an evangelist in the UK called Miriam Swaffield and I love the way she says it she, she talks about name dropping Jesus when you get to college mm. and within the first week name drop Jesus as much as you can uh, true Truthfully, if you try and hide your faith, the harder it then gets to talk about it. That yeah. the more established your friendships become, once it's become a secret, hidden, awkward thing in the dark, and then it's very hard to bring it into the light and it feels uncomfortable. But if right from day one, people know who you stand for and who you live for, there's a refreshing honesty to that that will establish your identity from day one. Um, and I think you'll find it a very different experience. I remember my first day of college and I, I met some cool people and, um, and I was thinking, wow, these guys are great. I, I've made friends already. 
already. And then one of them turned to me and found out what I was studying theology and said, oh, you're not one of those evangelists, are you? And when my heart sank, I thought, oh, my goodness, like day one, Lord, and already I've been put in the corner with this question. Um, But I'm so glad that I didn't duck the question like I really, really wanted to in that moment because I thought I would lose all my friends. But instead I asked him the question, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by an evangelist? And we talked about different things that might mean. And then I basically said, well, I'm not here to hit you over the head with the Bible, but, you know, essentially... Um, I care, I feel called to care deeply about people. And, and the way that I express that is that I want to share the most important thing in the world with them. So yes, in that sense, I am an evangelist. That If you're my friend, I basically will talk to you about Jesus. And um, this is someone who is so far away from God, but that became one of my most meaningful friendships in college, surprisingly. But I think it was because there was an honesty from day one yeah. that, that set our relationship up for good things. So don't shy away from those moments. I think they're God-given opportunities. And then the final thing I just want to say is pray for opportunities. Pray that God will give you chances to share your faith. I wish I'd done this more in college. I I didn't do a good job here, but the weeks where I did pray that prayer, it shocked me the opportunities that came along. I remember one week, the first time I ever prayed that prayer in college, in the same week, my um, pastor phoned me up and said, hey, I need you to come on the radio with me to talk um, to the University of Oxford about why you're a Christian. And in the same week, I wound up doing street preaching, which is something I would never feel comfortable with as an English person and with my own personality, but basically standing up and talking in the middle of Oxford about why um, I follow Jesus. Two opportunities in in one week just because I dared to pray that prayer. Um, so do pray that prayer. I think you'll be amazed by the things that God puts in your path. Nice. Well, let's get to the second question. This is from Mark. Recently, I received word that a student of my high school took his life. And sadly, that is one of several lives lost in the past year and a half within the high school's community. It started with two students getting killed in a car accident on the way to school. Sometime after that, two students were diagnosed with cancer, and one of them lost her life before the end of the year. And between my graduation in the spring and last fall, three other students from my graduating class took their own lives. What can we Christians say when non-believers or those on the fence point to situations like this and ask how can there be a God? I've been watching your series on suffering and found it helpful, but when discussing this with others, I feel like it would be helpful to have concise points to use. Wow, Mark, we are uh, really hurting with you just to read all that you've been through, your school's been through, uh, your community's been through. That's an enormous uh, amount of severe uh, suffering and evil to have uh, experienced over this season. Uh, we're really sorry to hear that, that that's happened. Uh, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, thank you for engaging uh, with uh, our videos on suffering. Uh, I'm so glad that they've been uh, some help. Uh, I'm sure that's uh, almost nothing of what we've done or what we've said, but just God uh, ministering to you and, and giving you by his grace things that you can share with others as well. The, the first thing I just want to say is you've been through a lot. Uh, I know you may feel like you're not the person who has directly dealt with some of this suffering, uh, but you or anyone in your school, it sounds like, has been through a lot. And my first recommendation would be to make sure you're talking that through with someone. Uh, On our team here with the RZM speakers, we signed something that says we're going to see a counselor at least once a year. I'm so glad that we do that. Uh, It's a gift from the ministry to us with just some of the challenges that we have to deal with on a yearly basis just to make sure we're talking those things through with someone. And that would be my first recommendation, to make sure that you're taking care of yourself 
and your heart because this may be impacting you in ways that you're not even fully realizing, and that's going to put you in the best position to be able to be a friend uh, and a listening ear uh, to others. You know, I'm resonating uh, with what you're sharing in part because a good friend of mine just recently uh, has come down with really serious anxiety uh, and depression, and and it kind of came out of nowhere. It was very abrupt and dramatic. And there was an analogy that uh, Judy Dabbler, an expert in conciliation and reconciliation that I know, gave to me, which I found really helpful. And she gave this analogy of water uh, building up behind levees uh, before the levees burst and crumble and an enormous flood happens. And the interesting thing that she said was that when the water pressure behind those levees is just one pound less than the levees can take, everything can look completely normal. But then when it's one pound more than those levees can take, it can be utter destruction. Uh, And that really resonated with me, and it's something that I'm going to keep in mind in my own life as well, that sometimes the brokenness of this world can build up and can build up and can build up, and we just suppress it and we push it down, and we think we can take care of it ourselves. But when that pressure gets beyond that point which we can bear on our own, it can look like utter destruction. I think that's why it's so important in these times that we're not relying on ourselves, but we're relying on God first and foremost. And it's interesting in that analogy that actually the stronger the levees are, the greater the destruction because the levees can hold back more water before they finally crumble uh, and then flood the entire land. And so sometimes even people who are actually in the world's eyes, very strong people able to deal with a lot of brokenness, a lot of suffering in their lives, able to just kind of pull themselves through it If we don't actually look for that help beyond ourselves and ultimately in God, then we can wind up in trouble. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians 12, and the Lord says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. A sort of counterintuitive nature of the gospel, but actually when we're weak and we recognize that we're weak and we don't let that water build up behind our levees because at the moment that we deal with a difficulty, we know that it's beyond us or it's going to become beyond us. And we look first and foremost and immediately to God. That's when we actually stay in a place of health and a place of strength. Uh, Ultimately, if that water builds up behind the levees and they break, There is no human or natural way to get that water back to where it was, back to a safe place. That can only be done supernaturally. That can only be done by a God of the impossible. And so as you walk through this time, Mark, uh, it may be that at the right moment, after listening well, after journeying with people, you're going to have opportunities to offer Jesus to people because one thing you're going to be able to say is that for every single one of us, there's going to come a point in life where too much builds up beyond those levees and they're threatening to burst. And if they do burst, nothing natural or nothing human, nothing based on our own strength is going to be able to get that water back in a healthy place. And so we better be relying and turning to a God who's powerful enough and loving enough to comfort us, to strengthen us, to see us through even those worst of times. Wow, Mark. I'm just listening to you. I'm 
your question it, it really is heartbreaking what you've been through but um you know as much as people in that situation ask you know where is god in all of this i think um when we look at a situation like that it's precisely because people don't think god is there in the first place and um, that sometimes it reaches that point like vince has been talking about you know, needing to turn to someone beyond ourselves. But if you don't think that there's someone there beyond yourself, then that's when things get really hopeless and really desperate. Um, I think we're in a culture where, um, you know, we, increasingly we are seeing a rise in suicide rates, particularly among younger people. And um, it, it's devastating. But but I also get why in one sense it's happening because um, the narrative that so many of us are growing up under these days is is that basically you do have to make your own meaning and, and meaning comes down to what you can achieve and what you can do in your life. But that's such an incredible amount of pressure to carry. Like Vince has been talking about, it builds up and... Um, and, you know, one way to deal with that, particularly Michael was just talking about this um, before, but in an Eastern mindset, in a kind of honor shame culture is if, if you can't live up to the expectations that culture or you put on yourself and um, then suicide is kind of seen as as, as the, the way out, as the thing to do, because you haven't met the expectations that are being put on you in terms of what you achieve. Um, you know, you can't. Um, you can't find that meaning within yourself. But also I think people then look outwards and they look for meaning in other people. They think, well, if it it's not if it doesn't come down to what I can achieve, if I can't do it by myself, then maybe other people will give me meaning, other relationships. But then that's devastating too, because other people can fail us and they can hurt us. Sometimes they hurt us very, very badly. And so what do you do when when you can't find meaning and hope within yourself? but you also can't find it in other people, then where do you go for meaning? And if you don't believe that there's a God who's there, who can provide that hope, then then where else is there to turn? So I understand why um, people get to these desperate situations. And actually it was um, Corrie Ten Boom who... Um, she and her family helped rescue um, Jews during the Holocaust and, and shelter them in their home and had a hiding place for them. But they were eventually captured by the Nazis for doing this and, and put into prison. Um, many of her family died in prison. She was one of the only ones to survive. Her sister died in prison um, with her. And um, But through this unbelievably terrible um experience that she lived through, through all the death that she saw, one of the things that she said was, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. And I think that there's nowhere else to look. You know, when we experience things like this, it makes us think, um, where is God in this? But but at the same time, I think it's only when we find God in it that we can actually find a hope to get us through. It worries me that uh, 51% of Generation Z say that their ultimate goal in life is happiness. Uh, and I think happiness is a good thing, and I believe that God wants us to be happy and that and that ultimately we uh, can be happy for all eternity, and that's his desire for, for every person. Uh, but it, it worries me that people see that as their ultimate goal in this life because it's it's not a goal that we're meeting and it's not a goal that often can be met when we're talking about the type of brokenness and suffering, Mark, that you have described for us. Uh, you know, every one of us has pages on social media and we put our best face on that page and the best things that we've done and the best places we're going to go. And, and everybody likes and uh, retweets and shares all of our stuff. And yet the reality is that every generation statistically is getting lonelier. And uh, I looked uh, a while back at the top 1,000 questions on Google 
of the year, and it was interesting. Almost all of them were uh, trivial questions. Not trivial questions, but not questions of, of deep substance. They were questions like, what time is it? Or uh, how to tie a tie. The very first question of any substance was number 179, uh, and it was how to kill yourself. And then the next one of any substance, not just how do I uh, do something technological or something along those lines, was 194, what happens when you die? And then 381, how to love yourself. And so we're living in this broken world where those are people's deep, meaningful questions. And yet if we have happiness as the ultimate end uh, and what we base all of life on, I think we set ourselves up for disappointment. You know, it's an interesting question if you ask the question, did Jesus in his life on earth live a happy life? I'm sure there were many moments of happiness, many moments of enjoyment, but there were also really difficult times. And he said that would be true for the people who follow him as well. And I think when you look at Jesus' life, you have to make that distinction between just happiness in the world's terms and joy in a deeper sense. In Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, not something which was happy, but he endured it for the joy set before him. So again, I think that vision of the Christian life, which is not just one of a thin sense of happiness, not just one where our emotions and the meaningfulness that we take from life are based on the circumstances around us, but a deeper sense of joy because of who God is and what he's done. And that's a stability that can stick with us through even the most volatile of times. So, Mark, I, I really I really appreciate your question when you say um, you want to help people by having concise points to be able to use. And, um, you know, I do love that your heart is, is one of care here, that you want to help people in the situation that you're in. But I would just be careful in terms of um, looking for an answer in concise points, because I think if ever there is um, something within the Christian faith that we're going to struggle with and which doesn't have concise answers, it's actually the problem of suffering. And and I think when we come over as callous as Christians is when we too quickly try and give an answer or an explanation for why people are going through pain. Ultimately, um, what people are going to really want from you, what they're looking for, isn't a concise answer that can sum up why everything has happened, but they they want someone who's going to come alongside them, who will care for them in their suffering, who will um, take it seriously, who won't just brush it under the carpet, but is willing to journey with them in their pain. And um, and ultimately, that that is the Christian response to suffering, that that's what Christ comes and does for us. And that's what we as Christians are called to do. It would be far more meaningful to people that you don't come at them with answers, but rather that you're someone who's there for them, who's willing to journey with them in their pain um, and who recognizes the gravity of the situation that they're in. Well, guys, we are out of time. Vince, sum it up for us. Well, two great questions today. Uh, Colton, thank you for that desire to go onto your college campus and be a light for Christ and be someone who can handle the difficult questions of faith. And then, Mark, you gave us a great example of that in giving us one of the most difficult questions of faith. We've given you a couple of approaches towards that. As Joe said, we, we want to be careful about being too quick to get to the answers and making sure that we're listening first before responding uh, and not feeling like there's any uh, one canned answer that's going to be the right answer for every single person in a situation like that. Every person's emotions are going to be different. Every person's experience of that is going to be different. But I would just say if I could leave you with one more encouragement, point people to Scripture 
because in Scripture we do have responses to the challenge of suffering that are not found anywhere else. We have a God in Jesus who wept uh, at his friend Lazarus's tomb, point people to that beautiful passage where Jesus weeps and he weeps bitterly and then ultimately he does something about it, uh, point people to a God who suffered himself. Uh, I remember one person who was on their journey to faith and they were going through difficult times and they read, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? And I thought this was going to absolutely confuse them. And actually they said, this means that I can trust Jesus because he truly understands what it is that I'm going through if even he understood that sense, uh, experience of forsakenness, and then ultimately point them to a God who rose from the grave, the one God who has shown in history not just we can have some sort of um, unfounded hope, but actually we can point back definitively and say that this is a God who defeated suffering and rose, and therefore we can trust that he can take us through suffering as well. Vince, Joe, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next week. To find out more about our ministry or to donate, visit our website at rzim.org. If you're listening in Canada, that website is rzim.ca.